This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. I am your host, Tommy Ashley. I am on the beat on a Monday night. A little bit different setup here. Carolina was supposed to play a basketball game. Uh, it didn't happen. So we're on the beat live. Greg Barnes, Luke Buxton, and Gregory Hall on the wheels controlling the live stream. Before we get started, everybody rate us and review us and subscribe either on YouTube or Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you get it. Please leave us that five-star rating. If it's not a five-star, leave us why it's not a five-star, but rate us and review us. It helps us move up the list. And then on YouTube, of course, you can subscribe to the IC channel and get all this great content, plus all the great content that everybody else kicks out. Johnny T-shirts, most important. Sponsor them. There are sponsors. You need to sponsor them. You need to send them your money, and they'll send you swag for Carolina and 10% if you're a premium subscriber. I'm going to go to Greg Barnes first. As I said, this is on the beat. Who better to start with than the best beat writer for North Carolina, Greg Barnes. Uh, Carolina game canceled. A lot of people thought Miami's in town. This game's going down. What came out earlier today sort of changed things a little bit, Greg. Yeah, and I think, you know, as of late afternoon, North Carolina had full intentions of playing this game. And when we reached out to UNC to kind of ask for uh, thought process and how things were, were taking place with regard to the video um, of De'Ron Sharp and Armando Bacot on Saturday night. Uh, basically, the response was, look, you know, we're going to adhere to ACC uh, medical protocol. And we can get into the uh, you know, description of that. But essentially, you know, there's a testing process that, that takes place uh, after games. I think it's within you know, 48 hours. Teams are tested three times a week um, and whatever else is in that protocol. But the, the indication was that, that you know, UNC intended to play, and that, that's kind of what some of our source information confirms as well. And then here at the last minute, really around 5 o'clock, is when the ACC announced that uh, they had decided to postpone the game because the schools had had a conversation uh, and uh, had agreed mutually that that was the best path forward and essentially what happened is Miami uh, I don't want to say they got cold feet that uh, they were not completely satisfied with with how things had played out uh, with with the, the video that had emerged um, and had some concerns and, and therefore uh, you know, expressed interest in, in not playing the game and postponing it and I think people need to understand that the ACC from the get-go has been very much like, look, we need to play financially uh, for financial purposes, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the key to this entire sports season being played, football and basketball. Um, we don't want anybody to feel pressured into playing. And so they said from day one, look, any student athlete that's not comfortable playing, you, you're, it's not going to be held against you. It's not going to cost you a scholarship, anything like that. And that same goes to institutions. You know, if an institution decides that they are not comfortable playing, and we saw a big part of that in football with FSU and Clemson, um, and then again, FSU and Virginia. If that happens, ACC is not going to punch back. They're going to say, look, you know, the school's not comfortable playing, then the game's not going to be played. And all indications is that what, that's what happened here. Uh, Miami was not comfortable. And so the game was postponed. And, you know, the ACC has played, I think, 80% of their scheduled games. So this is not the first postponement. I think this is number 38. So it's happened a bunch. Uh, this was a unique situation, which we can dive into. Uh, but at the end of the day, Miami did not feel comfortable in, in playing this game Monday night. 
Greg, let me ask you the question that some people have asked me. There has not been a positive test that has done this, or do we know that? We do not know that. Um, and the fact that UNC seemed intent on playing leads me to believe that there, there was not a, a positive test. And then, then you get into the whole, uh, the medical aspect of things, which, which I am not a doctor by any stretch of the imagination. You know, how quickly after a situation like that, when you maybe a student athlete is around other people kind of outside the bubble, uh, you know, contact tracing, for example, is, is actually probably worse than being intestine positive for these students. Uh, just because you're talking about a 14 day quarantine. Uh, whereas if you actually get, you test positive, it's only 10 days. And so, no, there, there's no indication right now that there has been a positive test, uh, but that doesn't matter in how the ACC has their protocol set up. It's basically, if Miami was not comfortable with how this played out, uh, then they have the right to pull out. It's interesting, and it, and it sets up a situation where, as we've seen and we will see, is that they're going to be very unbalanced schedules across the conference and teams playing a lot more. I mean, we saw it this past weekend. Carolina's now 12 and six and Duke's seven and seven. Uh, I mean, so you've got a situation where teams aren't coming close to playing the same amount of games. Luke, um, and I'm coming to you first because I think I know what you might say, but I don't want to get it. I don't want to debate the merits of what was reported or how it was reported today, but just as a general, not yet at least, but as a general vibe um, around um, Chapel Hill, folks you know and all, this has been a difficult process for these athletes, has it not, to, to sort of keep the noses clean for lack of a better way of putting it as all this has gone on, whether it's football or basketball. Yeah, and I was trying to kind of understand all perspectives, right? When the game got canceled, Twitter got pretty crazy. And one article I came across, I really liked. It was by uh, Luke DeCock, News Observer writer. And he talked about, you know, the idea that we have put these college athletes in hotels and said quarantine. The idea that they can't go and see their families. The idea that they are getting tested, you know, multiple times a week for the sole purpose of, you know, hitting revenue and, and, you know, for, for fans entertainment. And that's not to say that these guys don't want to play. They definitely want to play and they definitely want to be on the court. It's not the sole reason they're out there, but I think it is really important to keep in perspective of how much we ask of these student athletes. And one incident that, you know, of that has been leaked and been caught on video, they are immediately attacked. You know, there's look at Franklin street, right? Like tons of college kids rush Franklin street. But these two are the only ones who are getting, um, you know, docs, exposed to public discourse. And I get it. They're public figures. They've been public figures for a lot of their lives through recruiting. They're, they're public figures now being on a prominent college basketball team. But I do think it's important to put in perspective of how much we ask of these kids. And then one video, which, like, does not really tell the whole story. Like, we have no idea who was there, how many people were there, what the situation was. That comes out, and that is all we talk about. So I think it's just important to kind of be like, slow down. Let's think of how much these kids have been through, and now let's assess, and let's not kind of overreact. Yeah, that's not really how today's society works. I mean, I agree I with you. <laughs> I agree yeah. with you 100%. No, I know. I'm very well. Very, very mature of Luke. Yeah, yeah that, that was uh, – <laughs> that man, I love the world you were describing right there. It would be such a <laughs> wonderful place to live in. It would be, right? It is um, – I, I think those are very – um, relevant words I do find it interesting and, and Gregory I'll bring you in here um, I find it interesting just the complete distance between the the two ideas of what's going on here I mean there's plenty here in the middle um, the loudest and this is I'm not turning this political and I don't intend to but it's no different in society really the the two ends that are at odds here it's their fault. It's their fault. There's no gray area for a lot of people. But Gregory, um, you know, your take on all this, I mean, there's a job to be done by one entity. There are um, young people involved on the other end. And there's a lot of people that love watch Carolina basketball that are mad that they're not getting to see a game tonight instead of they're watching us. So, so where do you, where are you, Gregory? Um, 
in the, I mean, I'm in the middle because I don't think I'm very extreme on either end when it comes to things like this. It sucks that we don't have a game to cover tonight. Um, and Greg, you mentioned the what ACC is 80% uh, game play rate or something like that. I believe Miami was the only team that had not had a game canceled or postponed up until this point. Um, and there are some people that are saying that Miami backed out. Why would they back out? There's no positive tests. And I think the ACC is a little to blame in that regard because their protocols only stem from positive tests and contact tracing. And so this kind of leaves it up to like the ACC's statement, the two team personnel discuss and felt and were not comfortable having a game tonight, two hours before tip off. Right. And all the scandal came out with Dabo and Florida state and how mad Dabo was when he went down there and, had to immediately get on a plane and they had to come back and blah, blah, blah. But I think as we've learned, that's just the world we live in. And I'm on the side of the athletes are not, I'm not on the side of the athletes because in my mind, they know, like they know what they're supposed to do to make this season happen. And to Luke's point, we've asked a lot of them and I understand that. Um, and some of it, maybe we've asked too much, but at the same time with the NCAA saying, look, this year doesn't count towards eligibility. So they've kind of signed up to what they're supposed to do. So that's kind of my view of, look, they know they're not supposed to be in that setting and you can't blame. Oh, well, I didn't know a camera was on me because to Luke's point, again, they're public figures. There's cameras on them at all times. I remember my freshman year, growing up a UNC basketball fan and then seeing Joel Berry on campus and immediately taking a picture and being like, look, ma, like it's Joel Berry. You know what I mean? So that happens. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not, they shouldn't have been there, but I understand celebrating. I mean, I tweeted out like the other thing of, I mean, you're really going to potentially risk your season celebrating over an unranked, right? Like unranked Duke game, which I saw people tweeting out about how, it's on people's it's on UNC basketball players bucket list to beat Duke. So I'm not taking away that it wasn't a big win, but it's just, we're at almost mid February here, you know what you're supposed to do and have they gone out in the past? Probably has UNC is UNC the only basketball team that breaks protocol? No. I mean, why do you think we're at an eight, only 80% of games have been played, right? It's just, they're the two that happen to be caught. And they're going to get the most negative energy put on. So that's just kind of where I stand. Yeah. I mean, as far as why celebrate for beating Duke, um, it's tough to argue against people actually in the arena. Uh, I mean, those guys put in the work. I, I see what you mean about that. And, and I know your tweet was just a little bit, I hope tongue in cheek. Um, because I got a text from somebody that's a diehard Carolina fan. It was like, man, when I was in school, you know, we lost to – we, as in Carolina, lost to Indiana in the 81 National Championship, and we swore we wouldn't storm Franklin Street until they won the National Championship the next year. And I'm like, eh, times have changed. Um, it's a little bit different. Um, yeah, but, I mean, when I was in school, and I, I came after you, Tommy. I mean, if North Carolina made it to the Sweet 16, nobody stormed Franklin Street. Elite no. Eight was a different story, but we didn't storm for the Elite Eight. I don't think in my four years. Well, storm in 2016 for the Final Four, and then right. I mean, well, yeah, learned the lesson. None of us also went to school other than Luke this year in a pandemic, though. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Well, for the record, in '93, my senior year, I turned down Final Four tickets, national championship game tickets, so I could storm Franklin Street when they won the national championship. How long have you regretted that decision? That was a uh, I don't know if I regret it. And I, well, and, I can't, the, and I can't say I wouldn't have been there Saturday night if I stayed in Granville Towers like we did. Anyway, I digress. I would, I would like <laughs> That's to a very interesting that, question, Greg. Yeah, I mean, I, if I wasn't working, I don't know. I was, but good thing I was having to be, you know, on Zoom for Roy Roy Wayne's press conference probably kept me out of trouble. <laughs> um, I would like to say one thing to, uh, to Gregory's point. I, the biggest concern I have with this whole situation is how it was handled on kind of not the DTH, but the person who recorded the video 
when I think of like, how do we, you know, create better people in our society, help people learn lessons, hold people accountable. I don't necessarily think exposing kids to, you know, the entire world. Now ESPN's on this Bleacher Report, Inside Carolinas, CBS, like everyone's talking about this, What should have happened. And the reason why 80% of games have only been played because the 20%, they're not getting it by going to the supermarket. Look, for those who don't understand college, they're not getting it from going to the supermarket. They're getting it from going out. There's reasons why these things get canceled. And they say due to COVID related issues, we're not having the game. It's because no video was found of those people. What should have happened is someone who had the video should have said, hey, let me turn this into the athletic department. I'm concerned that they could have been exposed to COVID. I think that their actions were wrong and going out. I want them to handle it. I want Roy to do his discipline, the league to figure it out. And we could have canceled the game. They could have made a statement saying due to COVID concerns, we're not playing today's game. And we could have saved two kids who are younger than 20 years old from just being bashed by social media. Sure, they made a mistake. I've made mistakes today, multiple ones. We've all made, like, that's a crazy thought to think that they're the only ones who are not following the rules, right? Like, it's just, we could have skipped all of this. We could have canceled the game, been safe, made sure everyone could have been responsible. Roy could have run them to death in practice the next day, and we could have been okay. I think, like, the way it went about was the thing that really frustrated me the most. Yeah, and I understand that, but, but look, we were in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we are rapidly approaching 500,000 people dead in this country over the past year. Rolling seven-day average is about 3,100 dead. So every day we have more people dying from COVID than we had died in 9-11. So this is a big deal. And it, does it suck? Absolutely. It is, it is horrible. It stinks for everybody. Uh, my kids are, are here with my wife and I trying to virtual school, and it's hard on everybody. We've got it easy compared to a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, this is what we're having to deal with. And it's just not fair. I mean, I agree with the idea uh, that this is not fair for Baycott and Sharp to get, be under the spotlight that they're under because of this. No question about that. It's, it's, uh, I hate it for them. But we are in a unique time. We, you know, my lifetime for sure, but in, I mean, you got to go back a long way for, for this country to have to deal with this, for the world to have to deal with this kind of thing. And we all just have to do what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of kind of criticism, but oh, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were being kids. Look, I mean, just look at the UNC guidelines. And we, we don't know the full details of where they were, who they were with, all these things that that is yet to come out if it comes out. But I mean, if you just look at the UNC guidelines, I mean, I'm looking at it here. It says students living in Carolina housing or in Granville Towers are not required to wear a mask while in your assigned residence hall with the door closed. But if the door is open to your room, you are mandated by UNC guidelines to wear a face mask. So if you're sitting in your dorm room and the door is open, you better have a mask on. That's the world that we're living in right now. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh, that's crazy. Maybe so, but those are the rules. And that's what we're having to live by. And that's how we get through this to the best of our ability. That's how North Carolina and all these teams try to manage getting the season in. And so we can get back to living normal because this all sucks. But those are the guidelines. Um, and so this is the kind of stuff that pops up. In a normal year, this is not a big deal. But in these times, it is a big deal. Uh, and this is just one of the bad parts of the, the ramifications of it, uh, is that we're at a point, it's because these kids were trying to have a good time and trying to celebrate a big win with some friends. And it didn't even look like there was that many friends, at least from the you know, 13-second clip that we have. It blows up into this, and, and now North Carolina and Miami are not playing a game on Monday night. It's not fair, certainly not fair for the kids. Uh, but that's that's kind of the situation that we're in as as a league, as a school, and as a country. Yeah, I think that, Monday games are stupid anyway. Well, that uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of different. It messes up bachelor viewing, though. Oh, I shouldn't have admitted that. Um, we could be watching. We could we could just stream that and talk about our takes on the bachelor if you want. <laughs> I mean, that's hey, that's what my roommates are doing right now. So. Yeah, oh, we're keeping Luke away from the Wake Forest <laughs> deed. I know. Um, you, you know for me it's it's 
having two teenagers, one of which who I've already said, you know, starts at Carolina in the fall, this has been brutal for them um, to deal with this, to not be able to hang out and all that stuff, but they haven't. Um, and mainly because we hadn't let them, because I'm sure that if they were unsupervised, they probably would have done whatever they wanted to do. But, you know, so I don't, I'm kind of torn on should these two guys have known better. Um, I'm kind of torn on social media in general because nothing is ridiculous that these days you can't do anything without it being on social media. And so you basically just have to live like you expect it to be on social media. But I want to get to the point, um, and Greg, I want to start back with you, and, and because this is where I think we kind of diverge on our opinions, is the duty of the DTH to report this or not report this. Uh, I think that, if you look at Inside Carolina's message boards, that is the number one issue here. And the number one split, I think, on this is the DTH screwed Carolina again, uh, y'all are missing the point. You're killing the messenger. The DTH is not the one out partying without a mask. And, and Greg, you've been doing this for a long time um, and you've lived through it and been on the front line of dealing with uh, media coverage during the NCAA stuff and, and now this and all that. I mean, where are you in that regard? Because I'll, I'll get my opinion out earlier and I said it off air. Once upon a time, my belief was the DTH um, was cool. It was like the news media. They got to report the news. And then it sort of evolved into the DTH was a bunch of kids that couldn't play sports trying to screw the guys that could play sports. You know, it's like trying to screw over the quarterback of the football team because he took your girlfriend type deal. But now I've kind of evolved back into these guys are media. Their duty is to report the news, not make it up. That's a different story, but to report the news. And I kind of feel like here, that's what they've done. Um, and I think if it would have been buried, if they'd have catched it, caught it and killed it, like um, certainly National Enquirer did on plenty of stories over the last, their existence, it would have come out eventually one way or another. So Greg, where are you on this whole news media duty to report, not report whatever student newspaper? Well, I think there's really kind of two parts to that, Tommy. And, and the first is people need to realize that just because the Daily Tar Hill is UNC's newspaper, uh, they're not tied to the university. And the reason why is, and if you go back a little bit of a history lesson here, I believe it was 1972, uh, some students were upset with some things that the Daily Tar Hill was writing. Surprise, surprise, things haven't changed that much in 50 years. Uh, and so they didn't want any of their student fees to go towards funding the DTH. And so it went to court. And at that point in time, the DTH actually won that lawsuit. Uh, but that started the process of the DTH being like, okay, do we want to be funded by the university or do we want to be independent? Because at that point in time, the way that the editors were uh, selected was by an election across the university. So what ultimately happened, I think you were in school when this took place, Tommy, but I believe it was 1993 is when the DTH went completely independent. And at that point in time, they could make any decision they wanted to make. Um, and now they've got some professional people on staff, some adults, uh, and they have over the years to kind of provide guidance. But it is a strictly student-run deal. Uh, that are not funded by the university. They use advertising monies and donations and that, that type of stuff. Um, so... It's, it's not a situation where it's you, you, North Carolina students who are working for a paper that's run or paid for by the university or ratting out their fellow students. That's not what this is. Uh, the DTH is one of the highly regarded student-run newspapers in, in America, and it has been that way for a long time. Their job is to report the news. And it just so happens that uh, their number one uh, source of, of information, their, their, their number one focus is the University of North Carolina. And so they would not be doing their job if they failed to report on this type of information that they had. Because people may not like this, but what happened on Franklin Street after the Duke game, that's a bad luck. 
that is a seriously bad look on the university. And that's one of the reasons that the chancellor's come out. And that's one of the reasons I think there's 300 or so uh, reports about how uh, conduct was held. And those students have the potential of being disciplined for that. And that's, that's a big deal. So, so you have that component of it, of, of you should or should they not. Then you get into, okay, so maybe, maybe they can because they're an independent news agency, but should they? Uh, and you know, by detailing kind of what I just did with, when you look at guidelines, uh, and you, as I said, we don't know exactly what took place, where it took place, those kinds of things, which is one of the reasons that, that we haven't reported specifically on that video because we don't know enough details. Um, but I mean, the UNC guidelines are pretty clear. Like if you're in a dorm room or you're at Granville, which is where a lot of football, the basketball players stay, you've got to have a mask on unless you're in your room with the door closed. If you don't have that situation taking place, well, then you're in violation of some of these guidelines. And at that point, because the basketball players are essentially public figures on campus, uh, the DTH apparently decided that it was newsworthy enough that they needed to report on it. It's no different than when Tyler Hansbrough and Bobby Frazier were jumping off a fraternity house uh, 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, a different, different situation, but same kind of deal, right? There, there's video of it uh, and it's newsworthy. And so that's kind of how we get to where we are today. But you always kind of get back to shooting the messenger, right? Um, you know, when, when we broke the NCAA story back in summer of 2010, I had people calling for my resignation. How, how dare you? <laughs> they killed Greg Barnes. Yeah. How dare you report something negative on Uni University of North Carolina? We're not a fan site. We're an independent news organization, and we cover the good and the bad. And that's what the DTH tries to do. Now, do I agree with everything the DTH does? No, I do not. But it is a student-run newspaper. Um, there's going to be some hot takes that I don't agree with. That's part of the process of, of learning how to be a journalist. Um, and that's, it, it's not an easy thing and there's going to be some screw ups. And we've seen that over the years from the DTH. Uh, but, but this is a situation they thought it was newsworthy. I don't necessarily disagree with them. Um, and so they went ahead and reported it and that's kind of how we get to where we are. Luke, go ahead. Greg, I think you bring up a lot of good points. Um, and thinking about kind of originally how I viewed this whole thing, I think I'm kind of shifting a little bit in your direction after, after hearing that. I think the biggest thing in which kind of our two opinions diverge is, first off, we agree that I think people are saying blame the DTH, you know, screw who wrote the article. This is, you know, they're, they're off people. They're out of touch. I don't think anyone at the DTH wants the athletic program to go down the UNC students, probably UNC fans. I think that is a ridiculous idea that they want to see uh, our athletic program go down. I think my biggest discrepancy is the DTH journalists are trying to pursue a career in journalism. And by doing that, they're trying to be independent, newsworthy professionals. I think the hardest thing I have and something I really just can't understand is I think there's a the big difference between, I guess the, the really only difference between student journalist and journalist is, you know, the word student, right? Like, I think that carries weight. Like, just the idea that one of your classmates has made a mistake. Probably you have to, right? Like, no one is, no one, no student has followed COVID protocols to the T. I think it's just tough knowing that one of your fellow classmates has made a mistake and you are going to be the person to make it public. Look, I don't blame them at all. I know they're, they're doing their job, they're professionals. I just find it really hard to think that a fellow classmate, a fellow student, I'm going to be the one to put that person on, you know, kind of this public, public discourse. And I, I think it's just a little different. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think it's different than Greg, if you reported this, like, you know, you're a paid professional, you're working for Inside Carolina, your job is to break the news. This is how you, you know, put food on the table. This is your career. I just find that a little bit different than a student who is trying to learn about the industry. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I, I've never, you know, written for a, pub, for a publication I do for like the DTH, but 
I think that is the biggest difference to where I see it. I don't think they're to blame. I don't think they're bad guys. I don't think they're bad people by any means. I just find it hard to think that they would see that and be like, maybe, maybe we should pass on this one. I don't know. That's my take. It's, I'd like to hear from, uh, from Gregory, what you think on all this being another close age student journalist. Am I allowed to speak, Tommy? Yeah, as long as you don't interrupt. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting point, Luke. I mean, I know Ryan Wilcox, the guy who wrote the article, and I I don't want to speak for him or anybody like that, but as someone who has written for the DTH, that's what I did before I joined Inside Carolina. I didn't cover sports, so I sports uh, Inside Carolina was the first time I ever covered sports, but I know for a fact it wasn't he got the video in his hands he was like, all right, let's go after them. Right. It wasn't a puff piece. It wasn't a, I mean, it wasn't that different than Greg, your thing, your paragraph a little farther down, because like you mentioned, your story wasn't about necessarily the video, but you had to mention it because that was news and things like that. But it was just like, this is what happened. Here's what we have obtained. And he reported the news just like how espn and i've used this analogy all day well since the news came out when espn reported on james harden at parties and he was held out of games or when kyrie irving was out whether even if it was a family function he violated the nba's protocols or guidelines or whatever and was punished for it there's no difference in the es in espn or any national publication that covers the NBA to report on that than the DTH reporting on this, because to your point, Greg, it just so happens that their main focus is the university of North Carolina. And with how big sports are at the university of North Carolina, that's what they're going to report on mainly. And I saw a comment earlier in here in the chat about, um, well, I didn't see the DTH covering, other sports teams, parties and things like that. Well, they did, right? Like whether you remember, like if people remember or not, like such like, I love the term recency bias. You guys hear me say that all the time, but they definitely reported on that stuff. Um, And that's just what they do. And I mean, they're not paid. Their editors get like a stipend and it's minimal, but it's just because they're working so hard. And I think as far as journalistic integrity, that's, I mean, you have to report this, right? I mean, And if they didn't, to Luke's point earlier, which I thought was interesting, Luke, when you said the person who took the video should report it to the athletic department. Yeah, maybe, probably. I would not, I couldn't rat out my fellow students. And I remember um, my senior year last year going to bars, right? And you see underage athletes at these bars. Like it just, it happens. I wasn't taking a video. I'm like, oh, I'm going to rat them out. I'm going to rat her out. You know what I mean? So it's just different. But as far as the journal- journalistic side of it, they had every right to do it. And I'm glad I'm glad they did. So let me, let, one, oh, sorry, go ahead, let me, let me toss in a point right here, though. Okay. I feel the need to <laughs> now who's interrupting. We're hot. We're hot. We're, 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 this is a great discussion. I'll say this and I'm going to get out of y'all's way since y'all are the journalists. I, I, I have no problem with them reporting this issue. I, I do have a beef with that, uh, that editorial that I just linked in our Slack channel to you guys as well. Um, that's some garbage and that's because I don't want to get in trouble with the FCC, but anyway, but let's talk about that because I think that's the big issue with what has kind of gone on with our country in recent years is, and it's, I guess it's journalists fault and not explaining how journalism is set up. Uh, but people need to understand there's a distinct line between hard news and opinion. And as Gregory said, if you go through Ryan's article, he's not saying, hey, let's get these guys in trouble. He's saying, this is what we know. This is what we have. This is why it's important. Just straight news. And then you get the editorial that Tommy's talking about. Uh, which is throwing gasoline on the flame. I mean, let's be honest. That's what it is. It's called, yeah, it's called go to hell Carolina. That's what editorials do, right? I mean, they are completely different. One is an opinion piece, which is the same as any of us giving an opinion. Some people are just paid for their opinion. You don't have to like it. 
And, and in fact, part of it's to kind of make you think in a different way and maybe to get you fired up. Well, here's my thing, Greg, on that, and you're rolling, but I'm going to say this. Gregory, you said the guy's name that wrote the story about Baycott. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Wilcox. Ryan Wilcox. He puts his name on the byline. Sure. This As editorial is, quote, unquote, by the editorial board. I got yeah, no problem with people share, sharing your opinions. I share mine all the time that people don't like. Gotten in trouble for them with Inside Carolina. Plenty have gotten in trouble with them in my life elsewhere. Put your name on it if you're going to share an opinion like this. I Put your name on it, and then we can have a discussion. That is my biggest issue, Greg, but I'm sorry I interrupted. No, that's valid. I mean, that, that, that's part of the issue, but uh, we, we've gotten to a point with social media. I blame Ted Turner, right? Because when he decided to take CNN 24 hours, oh, Ted Turner. you have to fill time. And you can't just repeat hard news all day long. It gets monotonous. And so what happened? Well, you start having uh, columnists, if you will, entertainers, opinion people. And they have fooled a lot of people. And this, this is not, I mean, this is both sides of the aisle. They have fooled people into thinking that they're journalists, but they just have a little bit of an opinion. No, they're entertainers. They're opinion piece writers. That's what they do. They're Steve trying Knight. to rile you up. That's, that's kind of what it is. It's offering a unique take. Some people love it. Some people hate it. That's completely different than hard news. And I think people have a hard time making that distinction, um, which, which I get. But, but again, there's a big difference between what Ryan wrote and the, the editorial, which I'm sure uh, is uh, riling a lot of people up on us. <laughs> and let me, let me say something here, because the editorial isn't specific to athletics right it's about unc's handling of the whole pandemic and they've been under fire as most universities have i mean the thought process of all right duke games on saturday whether i mean we told students not to rush franklin street they're not gonna listen right so be prepared for it they weren't super bowl parties on sunday you're gonna tell them don't gather for super bowl parties most might listen Others won't. And then today, in-person classes started up. If you're the UNC administration, the thought process there to me doesn't make sense. And so that's where I kind of back the some of the editorials that UNC's written, like the one that they came out about, this is a cluster, that one that got national headlines. Yep. Because, I mean, it was COVID cluster after COVID cluster after COVID cluster after COVID cluster. To a certain point, and this might actually counter what I was saying earlier about Armando and Dayron knowing better. Every single student at UNC knows better, right? They're at UNC for a reason. They're not morons. They're not ignorant people. They just choose to, they're, it's like a balance, right? Of like what I'm willing to do and not willing to do and screw that. And I'm not going to do that because that's going to make my life not as fun and I'm a senior. I'm going to rush Franklin Street regardless of consequences and things like that. That's just how college kid thought processes work. And like we said earlier, it's not just UNC that this is happening, right? Like UNC basketball players are not the only basketball players to go out and things like that. So I don't know. Yeah, going back to what you said earlier, Gregory, about the analogy between Harden and college, I think that's where I have the biggest kind of um, disagreement. For pros, it's these guys are professional players who are 26, 27 years old, and you have professional writers. I think that is very different than a college setting where you have people the same age who are both learning, who are both trying to either learn basketball and get their degree or learn how to be a journalist and get their degree. Why? So the idea of – huh? Why is, that, why is that different to you? I think it's different because here you have – in a college setting, Right. Like where we are all thrown into one small city, 18,000 of us as independent adults for the very first time trying to figure out the student journalist athlete relationship then starts to form a weird hierarchy. It's where one side gets to call out and criticize the other without any chance to come back. Like imagine if Garrison was then getting to respond about ex-writer I'll throw me in there about me and my poor performance in econ or my going to a house party and and violate or like if I were 
if those things were to happen and Garrison got to flip it, I think the dynamics should totally change. So I think it is odd when you're, you know, going to school and living with these people to have a one-sided relationship of, you know, the people who get to say what's wrong and the people who get to live out the consequences. I think that's the biggest difference than like a Harden who gets paid millions of dollars to play basketball and a journalist who it's paid definitely not millions of dollars, but some sort of money to write. I think that's the biggest difference in, in what I see in, in terms of those two points. I'd also like to talk a little bit about kind of what you've said about like the details and the, and the cluster blank and what all that stuff. Um, I, I think the people, the problem people have with the DTH and the DTH does a phenomenal job. Like they, they are really good writers, strong shot. The fact they can pull it off is really impressive. I think the biggest thing people see is there seems to be a lot of negative news. It's like every time a mistake goes wrong, it's going to be front page, but there never seems to be UNC does something right. Let's promote this. Let's promote this. I think that's the hardest part. I think like, and I worry about how our society is going. And Tommy, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast with social media and the ability to be a, you know, faceless cog and an anonymous profile and, and blast other classmates and people on social. I worry that we are always pointing out the worst in people. And I guess this is kind of getting away from basketball, so I'm going to tie it back in. I worry that we're always looking to kind of find what's wrong and never what's right, right? Like, I think that's like the thing that kind of gets people, we're in a very stressful time. And just the more negative news, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. And then you add in this like one-way relationship of people the same age. I think that's when like tensions get really high. And then we start to point fingers it shouldn't be like that. And I think like, I don't know how we fix it because we kind of got so deep in, but I think it should not be like that. There should be more talk, more relationship with student athletes and students. There should be more community. There should be more relationship between writers and journalists. And, like that's what we really need to happen. But now we're all six feet apart, social distance, masks. We can't interact with each other. And now people are starting to call each other out. The flames are just getting gasoline poured on it after and after and after. So I don't, I'll, I'll, I'm kind of on the soapbox. I'll, I'll, I'll cede my time, but that's kind of the, the things that are driving me crazy the most about this whole incident. Well, a couple of things though. I mean, in terms of let's tackle this one first, what, what's the role of the media? What's the value in the media in the press? To, uh, f- to check folks. Correct. And to report the news. Right. The truth. Right. And sometimes give opinions, but, but- Generally, it's based on fact to begin with. So, right, and some of that certainly is, is good news, and I mean, a lot of it's good news. Majority of it, um, but yeah, I mean, it's to hold it's to hold corporations and it's to hold people, public figures, in check. And so, I, I do push back against the the idea that it's a one sided relationship uh, with, with like Carolina basketball players, for example, because they have the platform. I mean, they have a platform that nobody else has. And so with that comes responsibility. And so we, we can talk about it not being fair for, for Armando and for Dayron, and I agree with that uh, just because of the difficulty of the situation. They are held to a higher standard because they are representing University of North Carolina basketball, and that is a big deal. And so they do have to be uh, sharper. They do have to be more alert to what they're doing than the average North Carolina student. That's just how it goes. And so the journalist's job is, is to kind of keep an eye on those things. Um, now, in terms of negative news, Gregory mentioned recency bias. There's a reason that negative news is so prominent. It sells. It's what people want. Um, and unfortunately, that's how we're, we're wired. And so there can be plenty of newspapers that try to, to push positive stories all the time. Uh, but that's not what people want. And that's one thing, you know, as, as one of the reasons that I see is successful is because there have been, we, we figured out years ago that there are other media outlets who thought they needed to tell people what they thought was important. And what I see said was like, well, let's actually figure out what people want to hear about and what they want to know about. And that's what a lot of these companies have done over the years with, with tech is they figured out what people want, what they're going to click on. Um, and I mean, it, it's not necessarily a good thing for the way a lot of these media outlets work because negative news sells. 
And is that their fault for capitalizing on how people are? Or is that a testimony to what's wrong with people? Should that be a student um, I mean, newspaper's goal, though? They have to stay to alive sell. just like anybody else sometimes. I mean, they've down to one, they're down to one print a week. When I got to the UNC, it was five, I think. So do you really think three. do you really think, Luke, that the DTH is is pushing more negative news than positive news? No, I just think that's the overall feeling in the air. I think that's because of what happened today. I don't think in general. And that kind of brings up an interesting point of how pe- how mad people are. Imagine if Duke lo- if UNC lost to Duke on Saturday and this happened. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Someone someone brought that up in the <laughs> no, chat. No Imagine kidding. that. Imagine if Armando gets his butt whooped by Duke and Dayron get their butts whooped by Duke and then they're caught out. Imagine what how what people would be saying then. It's like get your butts in the gym, hit your, learn how to make a free throw, right? Yeah. Greg, here's a question from the chat. If Let me hold DTH... before, hold on, Luke. Let me take a break, and then we're going to come back and do questions from the chat. And it's not a break for our live listeners, but it's a break to pay the bills on the audio version because we got to talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com right fast. They're our sponsors. They're great friends, alumni-owned and operated. Uh, visit them online and visit – well, I would say visit them in person, but I think the, the building that they're in is currently under renovations of some sort. So check them out online, and if you're a premium subscriber, get your 10% off your everyday order. I'm going to take another short break, letting the national guys pay the bills on the audio podcast. If you're listening live, stay with us. We're right here on the beat. Greg, Gregory, Luke, and Tommy will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, boys, we're back. And Luke, I didn't mean to cut you off because I do want to get into the live chat questions that we've got going on, but I had to get the sponsorships read in and all. So, Luke, I'm going to turn it back to you. Give us some questions on, on there. No, it's all good. We were rolling, so um, – but totally get it. So, question from the chat, Greg, Gregory, Tommy, would love to hear your thoughts. The DTH hadn't posted the video. Would it have surfaced at all? And did they cross the line by taking a video from a friend's Snapchat, which is a place for private share? Is it a public setting? I mean, is it? Is it so like, it's so I'm you, not familiar with Snapchat. So. I got you. You post a story. So you have a close group of friends who can see it. So one of their friends screen recorded it and then I guess send it in. Let me so, give some let me give some people listening. Uh, some advice if you think you're posting something on snapchat that disappears after a few minutes and nobody will ever see it you are wrong and this is a good example of that but i speak coming from another whole arena if you put it in the ether it's in the ether forever no matter what they tell you greg go ahead well gregory go ahead also what's important is this was recorded screen recorded i don't know who screen recorded it i don't know how the Daily Tar Heel came to obtain the photo or whatever. But based on what I'm just watched the 11 second clip, it is on someone's public story. And so there, it's not someone at the party on their camera phone, on their iPhone, recording it on their camera and just having it stored on their role. This was someone was like, I'm out partying with the basketball players. I'm on selfie mode. Look at we're dancing to music and then post it to their story for all of their friends to see. So this was not a sleazy, the the initial video was not a sleazy look at Dayron, look at Armando. Just putting that out there. Yeah. And so we kind of get into this whole whole idea of okay, what if, I mean, just change the topic. What if somebody had a video uh, that was shared in on a social media of a player cheating on a test? Is the DTH, should they report on that if they know that a student or a student athlete was cheating on a test? I mean, where's, where's the line? If, if a student's doing something that's not right, a known student, a public figure student, is that newsworthy? 
And I mean, I would say, I would say, sure. Yes. I mean, yeah, I that, that's kind of where we're would. at. I would, I would definitely agree with that. And I mean, I mean, this isn't an, I mean, people post videos all the time about of when they're partying with athletes. Right. So the only reason it's news is because it's against guidelines. If there was a video posted on someone's public story of an athlete cheating on a test, that's against, right. That's against protocol guidelines, whatever the term is for rules. I don't know, whatever the specific term is. Right. But like, so I think they're comparable. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the start to the NCAA investigation in 2010. Uh, but UNC got hammered for a censure to, uh, you know, an inability of failure to monitor social media because all these kids were going to the parties and posting pictures of them down in Miami. I mean, is that, I mean, the NCAA hammered them on that. And that, that wasn't media <laughs> seeking that stuff out. That was an NCAA 27 year old investigator saying, well, I'm just going to go on Marvin Austin's Twitter feed here and let's see what kind of pictures we got. Oh, okay. So I, I kind of agree. For free. Yeah, I, I agree with Tommy that me and Tommy did not grow up in the time of social media. Greg doesn't even have a Twitter. Thank God. That I yes. that meme, of, meme of the tiny domino and then that big domino, like Zuckerberg codes Facebook, UNC Miami gets canceled. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Exactly right. right. <laughs> so I've question. had to explain that to my, to my son, who's 14, of look, like, I've always been skeptical of social media, just in terms of what I put on there, just because it was something new and, you know, I'm the old guy and I don't know exactly what it is. He was born into that. That's like a way of life. Yeah. Like, Why would people be looking for me to do anything wrong? It's a different mindset. And I, I think that's difficult, especially, especially for some student athletes who maybe they've been a big name for a couple of years in high school. I mean, this is a whole different world and this is a whole different spotlight. And it's just yeah. tough. My two questions are, who's the guy filming? What are you doing? And then second is, Armando, Dayron, why are you letting yourself be recorded? Come on. Um, another question. It's kind of like fight How club, long do you think uh, Sharp and Baycott will be held out? Best guesses. I, mean, I have no idea on that. I mean. I think that just depends on tests at that point or how mad Roy is and if he suspends, him, suspends them himself. I've heard Roy is, as one would think, is absolutely livid. Yeah, we don't exactly know what the internal um, dynamic is right now. Right, the, the protocols, right? I mean, we kind of have an idea of what the ACC does. But, I mean, Roy could have a whole list of things that the guys can and can't do that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And it could be yep. that the guys did absolutely nothing wrong uh, with some of the things that UNC has laid out as a basketball program. But it could be that they broke some serious rules. We don't know that. And so it'd be just pure speculation to guess if they're going to be held out or punished in some way. And it could be, I mean, maybe they don't miss a game. Maybe they just run till they throw up. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different options there. And yeah, I think and they just missed a game. So it just sure. cost himself a game. So there's at least one. And I think that leads into another question of someone asking if Roy has put out anything. I don't believe so. Greg, am I correct in saying he hasn't put out anything specific himself as far as only Bubba put out a statement, but has Roy put out anything? No, he was going to address the media after the game tonight, but that that obviously <laughs> did not happen. I wanted to read um, what Laren Yaga said. He just quote came out about him that the Miami Herald put out a story about Miami's side. I just wanted to read this. Uh, his quote, which they said it was re- he was reached by phone, um, the head coach of Miami. There was a video that was out there with several of their players without masks at a party at 1 a.m. Sunday morning, which is less than 48 hours from our game. Our president, Julio Frank, is adamant that student athletes are allowed to compete, but they've got to stay safe, social distance. Our guys have done a fantastic job. They haven't had a game postponed. We have not had a single guy test positive, and they were all unanimous that this isn't right. So I guess they had a vote about the video about whether or not they wanted to play, which is what I'm gaining from that. Quote, we have been quarantining, hibernating, whatever you want to call it, and we don't want to put ourselves in a position to get the virus. We came to a decision that it's better to postpone the game. And they have every right to do that in accordance with ACC guidelines. And I don't have a single problem with anything he said. Uh, I mean. I kind of like that they had a vote, if that's true. And it came from him, so I assume that it was, at least whether or not it was a vote or just a discussion, but I kind of like that. Yeah, and, and until today, and until this came out, Carolina has Roy Williams could say the exact same thing, and Mike Brown could say the exact same thing. You know, during the season, 
Any more questions yeah, that's, from the that's, live chat? I mean, that's, that's all we know. I think this summer was a little bit of a hazy period. Yeah. And I also think Larinaga might be a little surprised at what his players are doing. I don't know that. They've had no positive tests. They can say that. But I think the reason why we finally caught it on video and there have been a lot of cancel cases, I think, like, it's – there's a lot of people – there's a lot of things that people don't necessarily know about what's going on. That's all, all I'll say. Any well, questions there, Luke, or any other questions in <laughs> the chat? Listen, moving right along. That's um, why I caveated my when I said in season. We don't have uh, <laughs> don't have any more questions. We could go into kind of how this affects Carolina and, and the AC standings. Yeah, let's turn it to basketball related. Uh, I mean, Carolina played well in January. They had a you know a bye weekend or whatever, and then they looked absolutely terrible against Clemson. Then they get back in roll, Greg, and and they play probably their best game of the year against Duke, at least for portions of that. Um, does this affect Carolina, the basketball team, um, and, and how much, given that they got to stack wins one way or another, and I would think Miami would have been one. Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of building confidence, it would have been nice to have a, another win, although Chris Lax may have played, which would have been a different different dynamic for sure. Uh, but Carolina was favored by 10, so you assume that would have been a win. That would not have been a uh, a huge win. I think it would have been a Q3 win. So in terms of NCAA tournament uh, resume, it wasn't that big of a deal. What you don't want to get into is that by not having the Miami game, and, and this is something we can talk about, you have this gap now this week, um, a week long. We know what happened last time UNC had a week off, right? They go to Clemson and get, get embarrassed. So you have a week off, and now you're going to Virginia, which is going to be a very tough game. Um, so you would like to have that continuity. You'd like to be able to get a couple games in a row uh, leading into Virginia. Uh, one thing I did want to mention, Tommy, somebody had asked, well, if Miami's concerned about testing, why not keep them in town for a couple of days, run another batch of tests, and then try to play the game? Uh, if you remember with the Florida State-Clemson game, that's exactly what happened. Clemson said, okay, you don't want to play the game. We're willing to hang around for a couple of days. They had actually said, we will play on Monday night. Um, this, is we'll football, do the football this is football. Game. This is football. We'll do another batch of tests to placate you and to see if, if that's enough for you to want to play the game. Florida State did not want to do that anyway, and that's one of the reasons that David Sweeney went off on his tirade. Um, so that could happen. Uh, it's nothing that I've heard. It's a speculation. But then you get into, okay – you know, Miami's already up here. Who pays for them to stay? You know, is it UNC because uh, Miami wasn't comfortable with what they saw in video? But then UNC could shoot back, why are we paying for it? You know, we're following ACC protocol guidelines. We don't think that we did anything wrong. And so you get into that dynamic, because, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but when you're talking about 20 people having to stay a couple nights, that gets expensive. Um, and so how, how that's handled will be interesting. And if UNC can get anybody else scheduled this week, that's something to watch out for. I don't know anything about how that would potentially play out. Uh, but you would think UNC would like to be able to get an extra game in because UNC has had three games postponed in ACC play. All three of those games have been home games. So you have a lopsided schedule. Now, they did reschedule one of those games and got the Syracuse game in. But they're still looking at now this Miami game and the Clemson home game that they need to make up. So it'll give them many more away games and actual home games. And, and that's never a good thing when you're trying to, to secure wins for the NCAA tournament. Where do, I mean, do we know where opposing teams used to – they used to stay at the Best Western right there off Miami Boulevard, didn't they, back in the day? They could, they could stay there. It's like yeah. $59.99 a night. I no, I, what prevents <laughs> Carolina from flying down to Miami and playing Thursday night? I mean – yeah. I, you know, it, it is what it is. And but that's another game. road game. I mean, that's the. Yeah, I mean, I think it is more important. It's strictly in terms of basketball. I think it's more important for Carolina to play a game than it is where that game is played, um, I think, at this point. Anyway, uh, Luke, your thoughts on – one of y'all said that I've, somebody's asking about keys to beating Virginia. Oh, boy. Uh, Luke, I'll let you go first on that one. <laughs> Keys to be in Virginia. <laughs> Score the ball. Yeah, make shots. <laughs> like, yeah. Be, be as efficient from three as you were versus Duke. I, I mean, the Miami game is it's tough because you look at the schedule, right? Virginia, Virginia Tech, 
Louisville is a pretty good team. That's going to be a tough game. Florida State and then another matchup with Duke. Those are the games like, you know, get a little momentum from Duke. You're playing well. Chris Likes is a little iffy. Feels like that's a winnable game and can carry you into a Virginia game with a two-game win streak. And now you're going to have to play Virginia with this dark cloud above your head, right? Like it's just a kind of a disastrous situation for UNC. You have a big game against your rival. You win. You play pretty well. Kind of carried into Monday, beat Miami, and then you know you got some momentum, some confidence against Virginia. So go from that to this. Whew. Roy Williams got another weight on his shoulder that he did not expect he was going to have to have. Let's look at, and I was sorry, I was trying to look at the comments too, since y'all are all getting to look at them. Let, let me ask you this, Gregory. Carolina sits at 12 and six with, I guess, what, seven games left now? Is that accurate? Something like One, that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. Four, four home, three away. What record? What record? At this point in the season, we're on February 8th. What record does Carolina need to get into the NCAA tournament? I think if they go four and three in those games, I think they're in. I think if they go three and four, so that three and four puts them, what, 15 and 10? Wait, I yeah, fifth, uh, yeah, they're in the tournament. I mean, per ESPN's BPI, right, basketball power index, beating Duke increased their chances of making the tournament to 92% based on how they're supposed to perform against the rest of the teams throughout the way. And per Kimbaum, they're supposed to go four and three in these next seven games. So I think if they go, honestly, I think if they're 14 and 11, they might make it because well, of how bad ACC tournament coming up. You think 14, so 14 and 11 and their whatever seed in the ACC tournament, they end up 15 and 12. That gets them in. I think so. Greg. Yeah, I, think I mean they're they're, they're above five hundred in the ACC and has a above five hundred in the ACC team never made ever like never not made the tournament. I think so, but it's rare. Yeah, this is a different year. I mean the ACC is down, but but I I think North Carolina if they finish the season, you know, they got what do we say? They've got seven left. They go yes, four sir. and three. I think that's that's plenty, and that that gets them. It's kind of a weird thing because you you would almost rather be a ten or eleven seed than you would eight or nine, uh, especially with Gonzaga and, and Baylor. Oh my gosh, yes, the two best teams by far in the country. Um, and so you go four and three, then you're certainly in. Uh, and it's really just a matter of how things fall with the with the Q one wins. I mean, uh, North Carolina now is two and five against Q one opponents. They entered the Duke game zero oh and five, so. Uh, this is kind of how the, the fluidity of that those rankings play out. If you're able to beat Virginia or you're able to, to beat Florida State, uh, those are going to go a long way into moving you up the seed line. But I think as long as they go four and three, regardless of where those wins come from here down the stretch, I think that'll be enough for, for North Carolina to feel comfortable without having to do a lot of work in the ACC tournament. Yeah, I mean, as your point there when you first said, this is just a different year. I mean, any other year, 15 and 12, you're not getting in the tournament. And I 100% agree that if Carolina is a 10 or 11 seed, that is far better than being an 8 or 9. Because if you're four, if you're an 8 or 9 and Gonzaga or Baylor's reason, the season's over yeah. for this team. I mean, without question. But anybody else out there, well, um, I think Carolina can certainly beat. What's up? UNC is currently 40th on Ken Palm's efficiency rankings, right? They're closer to Villanova, who's number 10, than number three Michigan is to number two Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. That shows you that Baylor like, and Gonzaga what? are like ridiculous. That's, I saw that. Like, that's insane to me yeah. that the number 40 team is closer to the number 10 team than the number three team is to the second team. Like, it's just like everybody, there's two teams and then everybody else is in a bag and you shake it up and see what comes out. And that's why I think this NCAA tournament may be insane. You know, the games themselves, never mind how they're doing it and how they're, you know, scheduling them all around Indiana and all that stuff. Anyway, I think we've about covered the water. I, I know there's a couple more basketball related questions. I saw somebody ask about Kerwin Walton ceiling. I would say this. If you haven't had an opportunity to listen to Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran and with Joey Powell in the Coast to Coast podcast, that was 
um, yesterday or actually hit live this morning, you need to check that out because Sherelle knocks the Kerwin Walton uh, question out of the park. And safe to say, his four-year player, Kerwin Walton, sets all sort of uh, Carolina three-point records. Let's just put it that way. Check out Sherelle and see what he has to say. Guys, y'all got anything else? I just wanted to thank everyone watching. We've been at a, over 100 viewers for the last 30 minutes, and we didn't peak 30 last time we did this. So thanks for coming out and listening and sometimes arguing with us. We love it. The negative news, Greg. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> negative sales the more of you greg barnes told me if we get up to 250 viewers next week he'll download a twitter <laughs> he hey, gregory all said 300 and he'll shave his head oh <laughs> yeah we've done that. it before okay well let's get 300 viewers next time we do this next week gregory Live on stream i'll become tommy ashley bald oh you can't come this way boy there's, there's only so many perfect heads in the world the rest they covered with hair <laughs> all right boys it's been the Inside Carolina On The Beat Podcast. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. That's Gregory Hall, the future bald Gregory Hall. Luke Bucks and Greg Barnes, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. Make sure you rate us, review us, and subscribe. Guys, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.